Hey yo, welcome back to Maji Dayo, the podcast where we talk about uh, the show produced by AK. Fuck, I fucked it up already. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just my day. Cool. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Majiska Gakuen, the show produced by AKB48. I am your host, Raiden, and this is my co-host, Elliot. Hello. And I want to set myself on fire. Because hot enough because sitting outside. Uh, it really is. It's just been a tough two weeks. This episode is cursed. <laughs> and it's fucking cursed. It didn't want to be recorded. I, yeah, it, it was a whole endeavor. We lost the audio. We tried recording <sighs> multiple times. It was the worst. And then I messed up the intro. So the cherry on top for that. Welcome back. <laughs> <sighs> Welcome back. <laughs> it's been crazy. I hope you've been doing better than I have. So yeah, I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> oh, it doesn't help that today has also been rough for you. The day that we are recording this, of course, not the day. It comes the day out. our yeah, it's hopefully not the day this comes yeah. out because that would suck to have another one. That's just equally as terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Um. Anyway, enough of our personal problems because I know you're not here for that. Apologies if this audio sounds like absolute garbage. Not that I think the other ones were any better. Especially not the last that one. Much, but <laughs> no, the last one is so especially bad. not. <sighs> we are recording in less than ideal mm-hmm. places usually. So it's just whatever, wherever we can, we do it whenever we can. Uh, so that's just the situation. I'm sorry for your ears, but it is what it is. Anyway, <laughs> enough of this. Yeah, uh, let's talk about 4846 News real quick. Okay. And then we can jump Do you still want to mention whatever you mentioned last time? <laughs> the last time we recorded this? Because I don't remember what it was. I, <laughs> I don't remember either, but I have three things, okay. I think, I wanted to talk uh, about. You go first, because um, I think our things might overlap, and then I won't have anything. Sure. Else. Okay, go ahead. I will mention one thing that I talked about when I tried to do the previous recording, which is now even older news. It was about the Nogizaka 46. Three of the Nogizaka girls being in the movie for, based off the anime called uh, Keep Your Hands Off Eizouken. I think that's still going on. If it's, I don't know if it's been released already. I have like, I don't remember what the news was. I'll, I'll find the tweet and we'll retweet it on the Twitter and you guys can check it out. The second thing I had was that Yukiden, I think, got a, one of those, like, silver plaques from- Oh Matthew. yeah, her silver play button. Yeah. That's what they're Yeah, that's what called. it is. Yeah, she got one of those recently. So, congrats to Yukiden. Uh, go subscribe to her on YouTube. <laughs> do it. Yeah. There's no English subtitles, but and do it. <laughs> there isn't, but you can always enjoy her- rather expressive facial yeah she likes uh, to eat expressions food in particular so you can see her react to food that that ties into my (laughs) last one uh that is Mm -hmm. for the 48 groups in general if you subscribe to their 48 channel their official 48 channel they put out a lot of content consistently so you know if you're bored and you have nothing to watch like definitely check out 
a lot of their videos. I know, what was it the one that I watched recently? Uh, Yui Han did this like game over like a Zoom mm -hmm. call with a bunch of the girls, like Chi-chan, Meow, uh, Anin, girls from BNK48. They did a little game together while on the Zoom call. So, you know, if, if you're bored or anything while you're stuck in quarantine, feel free to check out their stuff. I think it's a good time. And that's all the news I have. Okay. So. I'm glad because I got this one from you. And so I was like, oh, is she going to say that one too? Damn it. But no. I probably okay. forgot it. I don't so <laughs> about, I think tomorrow it might be a week ago, but it's fine. Whatever. Uh, Yui Han actually donated like 25,000 face masks. That's right. To yeah. um People of Tokyo. No, not Tokyo. Kyoto. I have it right in front of me and I said the wrong one. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> but yeah, of Kyoto. And that was really, that's really sweet of her. Um, if she's not your Oshi, that's your problem. Yeah, um, but I give major props to her for doing that. Um, for her hometown, particularly. Yeah. But that's all I have, because you went over the other one I had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to mention um, Jonishi Ray's birthday oh. is the oh, yeah. date of this recording, yeah, it is which is her birthday. May she is 27. now 19. She's no longer a baby. And it's weird to think. Well, I guess, it, is it May 27th or May 28th? Uh, well, for us here okay. in the States, it would be tomorrow because uh, it's the 27th recording this oh. to date it. Mm -hmm. But her birthday is the 28th. So technically here, it'd be tomorrow. Okay. But in Japan, it's the day they are currently in yeah so happy birthday to her if you don't know who she is she's an nmb48 member who is the younger sister of jonishi k who was an nmb48 first generation mm -hmm. member who does appear in the majiska series though usually just as minor characters although she i think her character does get like a name card in five right and i yeah, thought it was weird it, it does <laughs> it was a weird name yeah and if you ever watched NMB48's comedy show called, uh, what was it called? Gaining? Yeah. I think it was what it's called. It's The first two seasons are pretty good. I'd recommend them if you've never had the chance to watch them. They're probably somewhere on idoru.net or something. Probably. Uh, if you want to catch some episodes or Daily Motion. I should probably do that. If they happen to have any up. Uh, yeah, that. they're pretty fun. They're not very, like, you know, don't think too much into them. They're not very like uh, they're more thought provoking. They're, they're just more it's fun. Like more of a variety show thing, right? Like it's a comedy thing. It's a combination of like variety and everyday slice okay. of life school stuff. Okay. Except sometimes they have like magic involved somehow. Yeah, it's very weird, but it's very entertaining if you like that kind of stuff. So definitely check it out if you if you can. But yeah, that's all the news, I think. Yep. I'm sure there's more. Oh, there's probably that's a bunch all that I have. More, but this is yeah. what we've got, so. Of course. It's all I've got. <laughs> Twitter sure, surely has more. But with that said, let's just dive into this episode for the second time. <sighs> yeah. And I'll let you take it okay. away. This is your ep, so. We've said that for the last, like, six episodes, and it's mostly been you. But this time, I'll, I'll do my best. It has yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm podcast dog. <laughs> it's okay. Listeners, don't hate me. <laughs> you can hate me, but don't hate the. 
okay, so this episode is going to be episode 11, um, which is called Mida Turns Serious and Sato Cries, which is just like the perfect summary for the entire episode, but we'll get into it. Um, we start the episode actually back where we left off the last one, back in the hospital where Mida comes to... I'm not... I'm not going to say confront, because I feel like that's the wrong word, but I'm going to say it anyways. Confront Yuko about, like, oh, she's actually, you know, the president of Rapapa, whatever. Which is still the biggest leap that Maida has made in the entire show. We, yeah, we did talk <laughs> about this in the previous re- attempted recording of this, was that <sighs> Maida's leap to this conclusion is very weak. Yeah. Uh... Because it, you know, they try to make it look like there's some substance to it, but really it's just kind of something she pulled out of her ass. Yeah. And that's where we are at. I I was trying to wreck my brain around it when I was writing the notes for this. And I was like, well, I mean, what if it's like a small town and like this is the only hospital in the town? But it's also like usually even in a small town, sometimes they'll have like two schools and one of them might not be a Yankee school. And I, although I know they're to- they're in Tokyo. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I they don't mention the thing is they don't mention it in this season or in any other season until we get to I think five. Yeah, five mentioned five alludes to it more heavily than the other. Well, yeah, because you get up. This is definitely not <laughs> right by the AKB theater. It's kind of hard to miss. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. None of them really. I mean, I don't know. It just I just assume they're in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm not familiar with schools moving entire locations unless it's like the school is burnt down and they don't have the choice. I feel like that would have been something mentioned. Well, I mean, not not really, not by the oh, show standards, so. but I just think I just think that it has to be in Tokyo, like where else mm-hmm. would it be? But that's just I I just don't think that whole like it's a small town thing would work in this yeah. situation regardless. I agree. I spent far too long in my notes talking about it, so I'm just gonna move on. Yada yada yada, she turns around and is like, yep, that's me. And Yuko, like, congratulates Maida and she's like, hey, good job, you and Sato actually beat Yabakune together. And she's like, I know you could do it. And then mentions to Maida, like, hey, you have to fight Sato next. And we get flashbacks of the last episode where Sato came to help Maida fight Yabakune and we get brief flashbacks of her saying the same things that Minami said to her in the past and so Maida's being kind of hesitant she doesn't really want to fight Sato and she said she even says to Yuko like hey I don't want to do this I'm finally able to move on and take my life forward and Yuko's not having any of it She's just like, well, then fighting, then go fight Sato, because Sato will be the one to take your life forward. And I'm like, I don't think she wants to. She just says she doesn't want to. I know, like, it's trying to make Yuko seem like this, like, senpai that's offering this advice and stuff. She's not good at it. But I'm just like, she really isn't. And it's just disregarding, like, Maida's feelings Mm -hmm. about, you know her her own taking her future into her own hands mm-hmm. uh 
you know, striving to walk her own path. It's disregarding all of that because Yuko's basically trying to find a successor. Yeah. You know, for Rapapa, and that's really her ulterior motive. And it just disregards everything that, all the progress that Maida has tried to make in this whole season mm -hmm. about moving on. And she just uses, you know, like the whole Sado thing as like, oh, like this is just another stepping stone to your to whatever your goal is and i and i'm like that's a big assumption to make you go this you episode know, like, is an episode because you really don't know her yeah it really is an episode of assumption <laughs> i mean Yuko even ends up saying like hey i don't know what happened to you but you know you should still fight sato as like the next step in your journey and i'm like no Maida probably wants to just move on from fighting completely i was i didn't mention this last time but i was thinking about it when i was rewatching it to record it this time because i was like what is Maida moving on to and it's probably what she actually wanted in the beginning you know no longer fighting and going and turning her life ser serious to become a nurse because that's what minami wanted you know right but now she has friends yeah, I, I, <laughs> to do it with yeah i agree and i mean it's great that she made friends mm -hmm. but that doesn't it should like this whole thing about taking over for Rapapa, like it derails her from mm -hmm. what she really wants you know and it like re-watching this it, it just what used to be like a more like oh like serious sort of encouragement from yuko it just seems to fall flat to me now mm -hmm. because i'm just like it doesn't actually connect with what Maida wants as a character. Yeah, I agree. It's more of Yuko pushing what she wants versus what Maida wants. And unfortunately, Maida goes yeah. with it. Um, spoilers for the rest of the episode, I guess. <laughs> um, but I mean, in like a story, like just the overall arc of the plot, we figured she was going to fight Sato anyways. So I guess it's not that much of a spoiler. Mm -hmm that she does yeah i just think like it was like if the story really wanted her to be the next gen rapapa they should have built that from the very beginning mm -hmm. instead of making it about maida's need to recover from her trauma and her grief and move on and make friends you know like that's because initially that's what the story is trying to promote mm -hmm. right it's, it's trying to promote her 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 growth and her healing mm -hmm. and then it sort of like derails it because yuko is dying and she needs a successor in some way but it, it's such a like weak connection mm -hmm. you know to me i mean people are, can disagree with that and be like no it makes it more the story more impactful but i don't think it does in terms of Midas character development i don't think this was the right call to make for her in the story mm -hmm. in this in the story what that she wants like, they've is, written you know they could have done it to where in the story that yeah. they did inter well interweave there we go that's the word interweave better um but mm -hmm. just not it doesn't work well with the character of Maida that they have set up and the story for her because if it if the if it had come to you know be about Maida's Maida overcoming her grief we would have probably actually seen her fight Yuko and then just put a stop to everything. Mm -hmm. You know, like, fight Sato, fight Yuko, and then anything, any talk about, you know, sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. This could be talk for next episode, but any talk about 
protecting Majido and becoming the successor that Yuko mm -hmm. wants wouldn't exist because Maida's story would have ended mm -hmm. there. That would be really interesting. But we've talked at length about yeah. one section. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, um, but I do want to mention like in their conversation about this that Yuko actually does say like she admits to uh, Maida, like, hey, at least you have a future. No matter what you do, end up deciding doing. Yeah. I want to bring that up before we skip past the rest of the scene. Because to me, it's like she is actually kind of finally acknowledging it a little bit, even to herself. Yeah. Because um, before she was like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No big deal. But now she's actually saying it out loud and saying something like that out loud to somebody else is that's usually when things that heavy hit home. Um, of yeah. course, Yuko being Yuko, she talks about it a little bit and then turns around and is just like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm fine. It's whatever. I'm like, no, you're to well, me. She, she plays yeah. it off as like, oh, I'm like cold suddenly. Like, please go away and leave me yeah. alone. And Maida obviously obliges. But yeah, it's again her trying to sort of negate and not have to confront the fact that she is mm -hmm. dying and to me probably more as like a more mature adult to me i'm like stop you're allowed to be sad about what's happening to you acknowledge it <laughs> cry about it it's fine you could do that it's yeah. okay um because you're not gonna feel anything after like two months <laughs> just do it now mm -hmm. anyways yeah, she does say, hey, I'm cold. Can you go get me a blanket or something? Probably. I don't know. She might be actually cold. Uh, it is like March-ish, like mid yeah. late March. So it might be cold. Also, she's sick, <laughs> so she could just be cold. Um, but she does send Maida away and we never see Maida come back with the blanket or anything. She just kind of walks away. Like, yeah, I Maida. I think it was definitely more of a thing where like Yuko was trying to shoo her away without being too rude mm -hmm. about it, and Maida sort of caught the meaning and decided to leave, as per her request. Mm -hmm. But like obviously Yuko wasn't outright about it. Yeah, I think it was more along of that's what it was. Okay. That makes sense. And then on top of that, we see actually Yuko's like kind of rubbing her nose, and then like she starts bleeding again with her novella sickness i have a note in my notes don't talk about it um it too much because i have several stories about bloody noses but no one wants to hear that so we're just gonna go into this theme song and i would like to mention the only change for the theme song is a good one and it's uh when they show the like the name cards for mida and Sato, they actually use scenes from the fight that's in that's later in the episode. And I don't know, I just thought that was neat. I like that they gave a little more importance mm -hmm. to that, like to that, because it it is sort of like a boss fight, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, uh, or a mini boss fight, if that's what you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, I really like that they used the, they kind of modified the intro. And I think I mentioned this last time in the attempt mm -hmm. at recording of like, I like it when shows sort of upgrade their intros to match how the story has progressed. Mm -hmm. Me too. I always just like those things. It's little details. You know, you don't have to do that. You, people are more or less all right if the theme song is kept the mm -hmm. same. But it, it's nice to see shows do that. 
I just kind of wanted to at least give this to the show and be like, yeah, you guys did pretty good in, in updating the theme. I think this is the only season that does it. Yeah, it, it is. They get lazy the rest that of the season. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> With how the rest of the seasons go yeah. in general, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, well, now that the theme song's over, we actually cut to Nezumi, of all people. Um, presumably in a classroom after school, because I can't imagine her doing this during the day when everyone else is there. But she's going around kind of spilling out her whole plan like some sort of supervillain in a bad superhero yeah. movie. It's <laughs> just laying everything out. And she's talking like, hey, if Maeda fights Sato, I don't care who wins because I'll just have my... Um, like her mice army or whatever she calls it, come take him out afterwards. And I'm like, who? <laughs> who do you have? That's, we, we talked about this before, but like, we're like, what are you talking about? Because like, we've never mm-hmm. seen you work with anyone, anyone at this point outside of like, Arena and then, was it Arena? Yes. Arena? Arena. I always fuck up her name. <laughs> oh my God, I'm never gonna get it right. Okay. I don't think she shows up in episode 12, so I think you're fine. <laughs> Okay, well, I never got it right, I guess. She's She just uses people. I've never seen her, like, with an mm-hmm. actual army, ever. And I part of it is just, like, again, the show doing that thing where it tells us but doesn't show us. Yeah. And I mentioned before that it's, it's a big weakness of this show because it ends up heavily relying on that even more as the seasons progress. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I just always find really annoying. Yeah, it's usually kind of a sign of weak storytelling, but we all know, we all know it's not great. So that's nothing new. Um, But it really would have been nice in particular to see this mice army that Nezumi ends up building up or seeing her try to build it up because spoilers, Mm -hmm. it kind of becomes a big thing in the second season. So seeing her at least doing something about it in this one would have been a really cool thing. Because I'm just going to say it now. They planned a second season to begin with based off of how the last episode ends. So if they had the forethought, they don't. But if they had the forethought, they could have done some really nice setup for season two. They don't. I'm going to move on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm done ranting about it. Yeah. Uh yeah it's it's funny the i before we move on i want to talk about nezumi as a character because she we talked about how she is behind the scenes a lot Mm -hmm. and she is a somewhat of a main antagonist here but there are sometimes i feel like i don't know like there could have been more done with her and and i just i don't know if i've mentioned this i don't think you have have on the podcast podcast i know you have to me but i don't think you have on the podcast it's just like she definitely has the smarts you know she she has the connections Mm -hmm. uh the know-how the gossip the blackmail and it just feels like it all sort of i don't know like it doesn't feel like they utilize that enough Oh, at least in this not. season or if they do it's not strong mm-hmm. enough or strongly connected to the main story that it just feels kind of like a side mm-hmm. thing and it always is just like such a waste to me 
Yeah, I'm trying to think. But that's just how I feel about it. <laughs> the three people, well, four technically, because she works with the Yalba Canoe boss. Because it's like the people that she worked with are Chokoku, the Yabakune boss, Irena, and Shibuya. The only one out of the. F okay, I'll say two of them technically had an actual effect on the plot, which is Irena and Shibuya. Those two. But Chokoku, not really. And same with the Yabakune boss, because they kind of just were like, walked in, got blown on, and got defeated. So. Anyways, <laughs> we'll stop talking about Nezumi. If we want to go more in depth with her, we could just do it either A, if we go if we actually end up doing season two, or B in a bonus episode where we could complain about her for a good 15, 20 minutes. That'll be fine. <laughs> you mean every episode? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We jump to Arena who's in this nasty ass pool. Whose water hasn't been cleaned since like the 80s, probably. You know, she's there contemplating uh, that discussion that she had with Dharma on the rooftop about how she like isn't the only one grieving. That Atsuko also, mm -hmm. you know, is suffering from the loss of Minami, and she's holding the little blue nursing—not little, but the blue nursing book—and it says Minami's name on there on the front cover, and it is her sister's book. And we actually, do we get a flashback first or does she flip through the pages first? Uh, we get the flashback first of the two of them in a little like diner or cafe area. And they're asking, like, Ravenna asks Minami, like, oh, how are your studies going? And that kind of thing. She even like picks up the book and flims through it. Um, and we actually get a little hint into their own little, like, their own little family life um, because Minami asks, Arena, hey, how's dad doing? And she's and she's like, oh, he's good. And then asks Minami, like, hey, how's mom? And it's like, oh, they're divorced. Great. No wonder Arena's yeah. messed up. <laughs> yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, if we look at it from this perspective, for mm -hmm. Arena, like her, her parents are divorced. She does. She probably doesn't get to see her sister very mm -hmm. much, if at all. And. But it looks like they had a, a sort of close relationship regardless. Mm -hmm. So I imagine losing Minami like really, really hurt oh, yeah. her. I mean, obviously their siblings going to hurt, but I mean, even more so if she had a deep connection with her mm -hmm. sister, despite their parents' divorce, and then suddenly she loses her sister and now she probably feels very mm -hmm. isolated. She actually flips through the, the notes of Minami's book and she sees that Minami and, and Atsuka would write these cute little notes in there to so each other. Adorable. And it's I mean it's little yeah, things they're, like they're great. It's like, oh I like I love you so much, Atsuko, I would die for you and that kind of thing. And what I think at that note actually Minami asks, Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also I will Oh, I would like to note they're just really quick. Their little notes are color coded to the colors of the bracelets. Mm -hmm. It's really cute. Yeah, it's a very like adorable little thing. I'm glad they had that mm -hmm. little detail there as part of, you know, to show, hey, they were like best friends, you know, doing dumb best friend mm -hmm. things like writing notes in each other's books, you know, and it makes me wonder like what kind of notes Minami wrote in Otsuko's book. Aww. Thinking about that. Mm -hmm. 
Though the I would die for you is very ironic and very sad. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I actually didn't even think about that somehow until <laughs> you just mentioned it. Because I was thinking more about like how like typical teenagers, especially if they were Yankees, because Yankees are super dramatic. Um, so to me, I was like, oh, haha, typical teenagers. But I don't know how that just went right over me. <laughs> you appear to bring the A. <laughs> As you do. And then uh, it actually cuts to Sato. And she's sitting in her chair in the Rapapa Club room. And she just has her kendama swinging. Um, kind of like at her knees. And she's really, I'm going to say restless. Because she's sitting there. She's like, I'm bored of this kendama. She, I think she's just a little impatient. And is like, I just want to fight Maida already. I want to get this over with. And I can't blame her. This is probably a really tense, it's a really tense situation for both of them. So I, I don't blame her. Yeah. And then we cut to the classroom with Maida. <laughs> just drop that and just go to the next one. Um, and Daruma and Team Hormone are actually like sitting in rows. Ne- <laughs> kind yeah. of next to her, behind her. It's, really, it's kind of cute because they're all sitting together. And they're all talking about um, Atsuko and, like, with her fight with Sato. And, of course, Daruma's like, ah, no. Atsune's got it. She'll beat her. No problem. Like she always does. And it's really cute. But they're all pitching in, like, their own thoughts about it. And it goes all the way to Mukuchi. And they all turn around to her and they're like, you (laughs) should say something. (laughs) It's so funny. I love these little moments with Mm -hmm. Hormone. And I can never get enough of it. Just their sort of dynamic with e- with each other, along with sort of, I guess, Maida in a way, because they were they saw Maida like start to take off her glasses, mm-hmm. and they all like tense up, <laughs> expecting her to like start fighting, but she just goes to clean them and they'll <laughs> yeah. kind of deflate and be it's like, so man, <laughs> they're just kind of like a sort of comedic. Like physical comedic humor, mm-hmm. they add that to the to the storytelling of this, and it just always makes me laugh. They're they're great. Uh, I do love along them. with Dharma, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, continuing the cuts, we get a brief cut to the principal, who's in a meeting room that we never see again. By the way, she's in this one room. She's never in it again. <laughs> and she's talking about how like, oh well, if Maida beats Sato, then the only person who's left essentially is Yuko. But she doesn't say Yuko, it actually- Which the camera pans Yeah, at. like the- it cuts to Yuko in the hospital room, actually. And mm-hmm. Sato's visiting her, and they're talking about- Because Sato shows up, she's like, hey, I'm actually finally gonna do this now. Yeah. Even Yuko's like, wow, you've- And she's like, wow, oh, you've gotten serious too. And Sato mentions like, yeah, I want to protect Majijo, and I want to rip- uh, protect Rapapa. And- I, I like that Yuko is encouraging Sato, but I feel like at the same time, Yuko probably knows that Sato's not going to win. Yeah. So it, it's nice of her, but at the same time, I'm like, you know the truth. I was going to say something about this scene, and then it just kind of completely left me. Yeah, I think you said something about it last time. I don't remember what you said, and it's not like I could go back and listen I... to it because it doesn't exist. Uh- <laughs> oh, God, don't remind me. <laughs> constantly in my head uh yeah i was uh yeah i can't fucking remember what i was gonna say about i know i had a thought about this and i'm sure it's gonna bother Mm -hmm. me 
uh, once I once we finish this recording, I'm gonna be like, oh shit, now I remember. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay if you want a little like want to talk about it at the beginning of the next episode. Be like, I remember what I wanted to talk about, and we can just do that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I probably won't. You'll probably not. Anyway, you know, moving on. Okay, uh, and so now we're with Mida, um, back at her. Oh, one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> back at her house, and her dad, I think, has just finished making dinner, and he's like, "Oh, welcome home!" And he has yeah. this giant plate of katsu, three different kinds, and he's so big. he's going over the different kinds, and it's like, "This one's the like the ordinary one. This one's ham. That one's my favorite. It's so cute." Ah. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's great. He's best dad. Only good man in the Honestly, the only good man. (laughs) But he he gets serious with Maida for a little bit. He, I swear, we're going to have to get a serious counter ourselves with how much we say it. (laughs) I'm Uh, not going back and listening through all of them to count it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't like my voice that much. I'm not doing it. Uh, He essentially, as he's about to start eating, he's like, he mentions to Maida, hey, like, I don't think he should be fighting he mentions he's against violence but we talked about this before but we're like he was yeah. a yankee though like i don't <laughs> know how that correlates <laughs> i mean he may have just been like a faker he, he liked the aesthetic clothes. but didn't want to commit <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <sighs> cut uh but he's like but there are times where you can't run away you know from what you need to do and he, he tries to essentially, he does this thing with his glasses that Maida does. And, and this is where we learn it's actually like hereditary or <laughs> <Yeah>. something. <laughs> oh, hereditary or like a learned behavior, which would have been funny. Just picture yeah. tiny Maida watching her dad do it and just be like, oh, okay. And then just does it. <laughs> and she's like six. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be adorable. Uh, but he stands up and like gives this very rousing speech where he's encouraging her to face the obstacles ahead. He even mentions Minami's mm-hmm. name, and I we talked about this again before. But I actually would have liked to. See, I mean, he he would have known that Maida was going through a tough time because her best friend died. Because I imagine he must have known mm-hmm. Minami. You know, like. She, I imagine she came over like all oh, the time. Yeah. I wonder how difficult it was for him, mm-hmm. especially because he's, you know, the, the parent that's home as opposed to the mm-hmm. mom of seeing his daughter having to live with that. And like maybe understanding that she blames herself, even though she doesn't, she shouldn't, but doesn't know what to do about it. Like, I wonder what it was like for him to watch his daughter sort of have to go through all of this because he he does care you know he he's the only he says this cares. rousing speech <laughs> yeah he says this rousing speech to her about not running away about facing the obstacles of overcoming grief and but then he he says like hey like i you know i'm actually just a salary man i don't think i have the right to say things like that because i don't think he wants to invalidate what mm-hmm. his daughter is feeling because he knows that she's carrying a lot on her shoulders and he just wants to be supportive mm-hmm. of her and i think that's just i just love this scene so much i have so much love for this scene because we really don't get a lot of scenes like this like even in like other shows mm-hmm. i would say of parents being supportive in this manner yeah and i don't know i just i love it so much 
Yeah. The only other show I could think of with, like, parents in it was Sailor Moon, and it's, like, they're all bad. They're all bad! (laughs) Except... (laughs) They're, like, non-existent. We see, like, Usagi's parents more, but they're also, like, not great, so... We'll just not talk about it. <laughs> They're not great. Well, Maida, Maida, I mean, his, the dad's embarrassed about what he said, but like Maida was like, it was cool. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it was such a soft moment between them. Like she appreciates, you know, his support of her. And he, he kind of just awkwardly is like, we should. Oh eat, yeah, he you know? gets all <laughs> flustered about it. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. Oh, this seems so good. And I feel like it, it was definitely like a needed scene. Um, not only because we will probably see it later, but, um, like, even just for, like, Maida as a character, because I imagine, like, going through all that, she probably felt really alone, considering it was like, yeah, she has her dad, but then she had Minami, and now Minami's gone, you know? Mm -hmm. So she probably really felt alone, and felt like she was going through it all by herself, but with her dad being like, no, I'm here for you, it's, I don't know, I feel like it's very important for Maida to hear that, too. You know. Yeah, I think it was reaffirming mm-hmm. for her. I think it it was the boost that she needed to to be like, I'm am I actually doing the right mm-hmm. thing by going through with this, or am I just reverting back to back on my word, mm-hmm. right? Because I, you know, promised Minami I would stop fighting. I would promise that I would get serious, but am I just disregarding all of that? And I think that's really. You know, hearing her dad say those things about sometimes needing to do the things you don't want to do mm-hmm. or are scared of doing to get to the point where you want to be was really important mm-hmm. for her. She needed she needed that sort of pep talk. And I'm, I'm so glad that it was her, her dad who gave it to her. I think there there's an element there of I can't do the things for you, but I'm here to help shoulder whatever mm-hmm. pain, whatever grief, whatever troubles you. So I yeah I agree it's something that she needed to hear to push her to, to the next step, and where we actually go into the next scene, as she is determinedly walking down the halls uh, to confront Sato. It's very um, actually kind of reminiscent of the intro because as she's walking down the hallway, yeah. we pass by Daruma who ends up joining her. Um, and then we even pass by Team Horomon, and they actually end up joining her, which is different from the theme song because it's just Maida and Daruma in the theme song. But now they're like, yeah. no, we're with you. And so they follow her too. Yeah, it's great. I actually would have loved if the theme song added them. Ooh, that would have been like, cool. That would have been a great parallel. Scene. They could have yeah. used it. Whatever. It would have been cool to see that. Irena actually hears gossip that uh, Maida's about to go fight Sato and, and runs off to go meet them. Um, Maida and Ko actually encounter Gakuran down some set of stairs, as well as the Kabuki sisters, and they easily fall in line as well. This little choo-choo train of Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and Arena actually like confronts Maida mm-hmm. on the way there and says, Listen, I still hate your fucking guts. But, and Maida understands, She's she interrupts mm-hmm. and she's like, I won't lose, you know, like, because Minami would laugh at me if I did. And there's sort of, I think you mentioned it before. Yeah. Where you're glad that it. That yeah, they, I was going to say it. Um, They. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that they didn't do what they really could have easily done, where Arena just comes up to Maida and is like, you know what? I forgive you. 
and I don't hate you anymore. Because uh, I've seen it in a lot of shows where it's like, even just a little time passes and they're like, you know what, maybe I was wrong. Here, I forgive you. When it's a very, I can't blame Arena. Arena. Hey, now I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> for you know hating Mida because it's not an easy situation to go from I hate you because you're the reason my sister died and going through that Arena has like a whole her own whole arc she's gonna have to go through which we'll never see but as a person she would have to go through a lot of a lot of therapy to be able to probably separate Mida from the blame if that makes sense yeah so I'm glad that this scene and the show didn't immediately just force her through all of that and make her already forgive Mida. Because you mentioned this actually, Mida hasn't done anything for Arena. Yeah. She hasn't has done been. any good. Mostly no. has done bad. <laughs> yup. Uh, so she really doesn't have a reason to forgive her at all for now. But I'm just really happy that they didn't go with that where she's suddenly like, you know what? I don't hate you. Because, like I said, it's a lot, it's, there's a lot to unpack there, uh, and it's a very difficult situation. So, I don't know, I just applaud the show for actually being like, yeah, she would still hate Mida. Yeah, Here, she'll I say mean, it. it's Here realistic, right? Like, mm -hmm. how how could you forgive your the person that was the cause of your sister's death mm -hmm. so easily? It wouldn't be realistic, and it's one of the few things I think the show did right, mm -hmm. was Arena's anger and grief over her sister's death. I think it's one of the few things that I could say, you know, they did right. Mm -hmm. They did right by. But yeah, so Maida and Ko continue walking on. <laughs> and then there's Shokoku. <laughs> and she just, she takes out a, a poem mm -hmm. and and just chucks it right in front of them. Yeah, right Doesn't in say the hallway. Anything. Uh, and it would have been fine if they saw it and went, oh, okay, and they kept walking, but they stop and stare at it, and then they look at her, and no one says anything, and it's really awkward. It's so funny. Like, I understand this is her way of showing her support. But she could have said, <laughs> said something. I don't even think she looks at them. She does. She's so embarrassed to be with them. <laughs> I think so. Well, the other thing, too, well, I think I mentioned this before, was mm -hmm. that because she's, like, their senior, it's mm -hmm. kind of weird. You know, like, it would be weird if she fell in line with them when they're her juniors. So I think it's definitely, like, a senior-junior kind of thing going on. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of her her reputation, her pride, and her image, she she didn't, like, follow them. I mean, it's she follows them because we see her later on. Like, yeah. Down there with them. But she doesn't fall in line or in step mm -hmm. with them. She she waits till they're done. Of that. Waits till they're done walking and then joins them. Yeah. So dramatic. Uh, they actually end up um, walking outside and using this uh, one of the outside staircases, which is actually the one from episode one where Mida beats up Team Hormone, which I'm like, hey, nice callback. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, we actually, which is really funny, is that we actually find out the reason why is because the stairs of the staircase that would lead between those two floors. Um, of the staircase that goes directly up to the Rapapa club room is actually like tarped off. <laughs> it has yeah. like plastic tarps and chains all over it. And it's like, uh, what happened? Which I'm really glad they did the attention to detail about that, where it's like, hey, we're blocking this off. And that's why they went all the way around. I think it's because they don't want people coming up that mm -hmm. way. 
it's like a security reason for them and that's why they've sort of cordoned it off mm -hmm. and yeah but it, it's great that they actually made them go walk outside and then come through the other way to get to it well i was just gonna say uh at the bottom of this well up, of the stairs they encounter the freshmen mm -hmm. and they say oh from this point on it's it's only Maida and Dharma makes a move to sort of argue against that but Maida tells her no and she looks at all of her companions and her friends and then goes up the stairs by herself and then like as she's traveling up she hears like um what Yuko said to her of like don't hesitate while you're halfway up the stairs Mm -hmm. And that kind of, her whole spiel from the beginning of the episode just kind of gets reinserted here. I, a part of me is like, I understand, but a, actually now that we're re-watching this and re-recording it, I kind of wish it was her dad saying it. The part where he's like, you have to face, mm, you know, yeah. these things in front of you that maybe you're afraid of facing. That if we put that there, I feel like it would have fit Maida as a character better because we know she has a good relationship with her dad, but she doesn't really have a relationship with Yuko. And like we talked about yeah. in the beginning for maybe far too long, is that this is conflicting with what Maida wanted. So maybe hearing her dad instead saying it probably would have been better and probably would have pushed her more, you know, up the steps. But I know they were trying to push the senpai thing, but... That's why they did it. They were very, and I just feel like if they really wanted to push that, they should have put the building blocks there for that. Mm -hmm. Because really, Maida has only ever encountered Yuko at the hospital. Mm -hmm. And their episodes were, what, they had like one or two episodes together? They had one big episode where they spent the whole thing together. But for the most part, they spent like just small sections, like... I'm thinking of, I don't remember what episode it is, but where Yuko's playing dodgeball with her old man friends in Mind oh, yeah. there. Episode seven, they spend the whole episode together. Those are really the only ones. And then the beginning, yeah, ending I of this last episode, like beginning of this one. So they could have put more, mm -hmm. made it more impactful if they added a little bit more scenes together. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. But yeah, I actually like that idea of having her dad's words be there instead because it would have just made more sense to do that for her but anyway she comes up the stairs and she encounters the four the four queens and she like cuts right through them i mean they're kind of like they do a little stare off mm -hmm. <laughs> and but she just pushes uh right through them and I think I mentioned this before, but like Geki looked like she was about to do something. Oh yeah, Geki and like steps forward and is like, "Is it my turn again?" And they're like, and Black actually puts her hand out and is like, "No, yeah, no, back up, back up." You mentioned this last time, but I'll mention it this time. Is that Torogoya actually hides behind Shibuya the whole time? <laughs> yeah, she and even as Maida's walking in between them, she kind of uses Shibuya as a shield between her. And Maida. And I mean, I can't blame her. I don't think it would have been that long ago that she got the shit kicked out of her by Maida. I say a couple days at most. Uh, no, I don't. No, I don't think so. Um, no, I think it's longer than that. Mostly because really? okay. I know in episode nine, 
weird little things. I know, I know far too many small details. In episode nine, there's actually a calendar on the wall in Yuko's room, and it says it's February. Oh my god. <laughs> and they're saying, hey, graduation's coming soon. And I, if this just follows normal, like, Japanese high school rules, they're at the end. Graduation's, like, at the end of March. Wow. So, they're- How they're do you there. even know that? <laughs> I spent far too much time watching this show. Okay, so, after walking through uh, the Queens, and after Torigoya's hiding behind Shibuya, uh, Maida actually makes it into the club room, and we just see Sato standing there. She's staring out towards the very beaten up Maji flag and out the window. And she turns around to face her and she says something like, Maida, when you're here, I can't view the top of Maji uh, Joe mm-hmm. or something like that. And then she goes off to the side and just opens a door that admittedly the first time i saw it i had no fucking clue that there was a door there i think that was intentional because they kind of keep it out of you and no one's ever Mm -hmm. gone into this room prior to this Mm -hmm. moment i mean this is Maida's first time up here too so true but we have seen this room you know we've gotten the inside scoop on rapapa and everything so they just haven't had a use for the room just yet wait we've seen this room before when was that? No, I'm saying we've no, I'm saying we've oh, been that, in the Rapapa yeah. Club room. We haven't been in no, that room. The other room. Yet. This is the only time we've been in that room. And the only yeah. time we will be. Anyways, Sato actually motions Maida over to her and is like, hey, um this way. And they go into the separate side room that I honestly did not imagine to be this big, but it's huge. And it's like their own little arena that they've made. And as as someone who was in marching band in high school, actually, I was a band for a very long time. I don't want to talk about it. But seeing all the instruments all along the walls put put up in the worst ways possible irritates me. Because some of them are, like, hanging by, like, wires, and that's it, and there's nothing else, and none of them are in their cases, and I just think about how much money those were. Okay, band nerd. There's, Don't judge me. There, there's <laughs> something funny to me about the structure of this room, because I just mm-hmm. feel like it doesn't really match the layout of the, the building. It, it just feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, it's too big to have been in that section of yeah, the Yeah, right? because it's like, all the stairs lead up to are, like, this room, right? Or, I mean, I guess there's other stairs, but I think those go up to the roof. Mm-hmm. So, all there is in this floor yeah. is going to be this room. And it's weird. Like, it's structured and weird. And maybe, like, some other tiny room. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I just found it weird. <laughs> the door teleports you to another part of the school. <laughs> I also like the the battle mat they have like it mm-hmm. uh like has like these musical notes on it and like I think it's flowers or roses or something. I don't know. It just looks mm-hmm. really cool. Definitely like they did this themselves like graffitied it. But like I don't know. I like the aesthetic of this room despite that it's weird because it doesn't really match what like the layout that's in my head. Mhm. But it's, it's a cool room, and 
I really kind of just like the atmosphere that it gives because it just kind of intensifies the importance of this fight because I if I'm trying to think mm -hmm. of like in this season like if they've if any of the fights have been in dedicated spaces like set out and I can't think of any I would say maybe the Yabakune one That's in the true. last episode but only specifically because it was a trap. Yeah, like I'm thinking of like... Oh, Shibuya's. Oh yeah, that's Shibuya's, right. Because it was in her little like club place. Right. So only fights that matter are <laughs> designated space. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of true. I guess you could count Black's Alleyway as one too. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty weak. Well, if we're going with that one, I would also... I know it's not a fight, but I would considered than Torigoyos as well. Oh, that has yeah. pretty significance to Maida. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not the same. It's not the same kind of intensity, if that makes sense. Like, in this room, there's... I mean, I mentioned all the instruments, but they, it does have... They, it has windows, but they're all shut. They're all completely, like, blacked out. Mm -hmm. So it's like, they're just in this room. There's nothing else. It's just them in this probably very musty and disgusting room yeah. with no air circulation. <laughs> so probably disgustingly gross and stinks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it looks like they kind of almost give it like this wavy sort of feel. I mean, obviously it's like Sato is also like probably to give Sato like mm -hmm. this intense fighting aura. But like there almost feels like they're, they're, it's so hot in here. I think part of it is the lighting yeah. like the lighting that they use like it's like construction lighting yeah and it and those lights are hot like they get so hot mm -hmm. so it, it makes it even feel like the pressure is even higher uh so i, I just really like the atmosphere of this uh, i know that sato like puts down her kidama on like this table that's like placed right before this majijo flag that isn't fucked up yeah it's like in perfect condition mm -hmm. and also it's huge yeah like it takes up almost the whole wall yeah it's like in the center and she places it down and then <laughs> we get to my favorite part where <laughs> she takes off her coat for the first time and mm -hmm. we get to see like on the back of her uniform she's bedazzled and bejeweled it <laughs> it's her favorite hobby yeah this is, this is sato's like pastime is to just bedazzle the shit out of everything <laughs> but i will say she's got some skills because it looks really cool it does it's it's like a it almost kind of matches the, the design on the floor mm -hmm. because it is the it has the roses and the stems with all of the thorns and stuff. Yeah. Hers just has a little bit extra because it has a skull on it. And for whatever reason, they decided to put what looks like an American flag yeah. top hat on top of it. And I hate Uncle it. Uncle Sam. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Uncle uh. Sam wants you to be a Yankee. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, Sato tells Maida oh, to like take off her glasses. Maida complies and puts them down. Sato like throws her coat over the table and like it hits the kedama and somehow breaks it. Oh my God. I don't know how that I worked. Don't, I'm not okay. I'm not sure about that because it's like, I was, is it the one that she broke at the beginning? I think it was like episode three where the ball just kind of like I don't falls think down it's that one. I think it's the one she had earlier. God. Because it, like if you look, 
If you look back, so the, the actual Kadama still has the string connected to it when she places it down on, oh my God. on, the, on the table. How? How does it break it then? I, I really don't know. Like, that is a shitty Kadama if that's the case. She probably got it in like a gotcha machine. That's like, bad. To go. Yeah, like I see the string still attached, and then when she, she throws her coat <laughs> over it, it's suddenly no string. Like, it just, just doesn't make any sense. They have to be dramatic, because, like, it breaks and the ball super slowly rolls off the table as the two of them are walking towards each other. And I understand it's to build suspense, but just because of the whole thing with the kendama, I can't take it that seriously. Yeah, like, I'm looking at this slowly, and yeah, the kendama suddenly just breaks off. I'm like, that is, oh wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Sorry, continue. But yeah, so the the ball of the kendama is rolling off of the, slowly rolling towards the end of the table. They're walking towards each other. We get brief glimpses of, like, Yuko in the hospital room just staring out the window um, before the ball drops onto the floor, and then that's when the fight starts. And Mina immediately goes to punch Sato, but she's caught by surprise with just how fast Sato is. Mm -hmm. Like, she... <laughs> it's one of my favorite expressions because her eyes go, like, super wide. She's like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, they actually it's flicker between, like, mm -hmm. where she thought Sato would be and then where she is and, like, how mm -hmm. fat, like how Sato has Maida's fist in her hand, like, completely unaffected. And I thought, oh, that's a nice touch. Like, that expression was really good. This whole fight, it's going... I'm just going to mention it now. We do cut to the people at the bottom of the staircase. Mm -hmm. And not at this point, but later, you can hear the fighting that's happening upstairs. Yeah. While we're looking at the people downstairs. And it's like, oh, God, how awkward. In a different context. <laughs> you know, like, if, if, if you didn't know what was happening, you would think it was something else happening someone in that room. Just, someone just walks by. Yeah, someone who didn't know what's going on. Like, the teacher... The teacher just walks by and is like what is happening yeah that was hella funny <laughs> but yeah like this fight is i think i mentioned this before it's slow to me it's it's this very mm -hmm. gradual build-up uh which is such a contrast i think to some of the other fights i think I, like maybe gakuron's fight for example where everything is mm -hmm. just hit for hit really quickly but this one is actually kind of like just building up to the crescendo, the uh, can't even say it. crescendo. There, the, there you yeah, I don't know how to English. <laughs> and and uh, it's, I don't know. I, I just really like that it was a little different in its pace because it doesn't feel any less intense. It just mm -hmm. it's just very like slowly edging you towards the climax of the story. Yeah, but also I'm, I think you mentioned it in the original recording we did, mm -hmm. where like we've talked about fights that are really like raw mm -hmm. and intense. This one is also like that, but in a very different way. Like with Geki, I know I definitely said that that the fight was raw mm -hmm. um, because of how disgustingly bloody it is. This one is the same way, but without necessarily that amount of blood. Um, but there's it is really intense because even after like a couple of hits they're really sweaty mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's taken them a lot of they're they're putting their all into this fight and i can 
I don't know. I appreciate it. Yeah, I showing little things like they're sweaty. Yeah, they're. Sweaty. I mean, it doesn't help that that room's probably disgusting. Yeah, hot. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm glad they kind of took that into effect. Like, oh, they're in this room, mm-hmm. windows closed, enclosed space with this intense light hanging over them. Yeah, of course they're gonna mm-hmm. start sweating up a storm here, and it's. I really like glad that they added that detail into it. And Maida isn't really like winning. You know, she is, mm-hmm. she is losing to Sato in the beginning. There's even points. Um, there's another point where Maida gives that same look of shock that she had at the beginning about Sato. Mm-hmm. Is that she punches Sato so hard a couple of times and Sato just takes it. She's like, eh, got anything else? And I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. I think you mentioned this before, and mm-hmm. we could probably just talk about it now because Sato says, oh, Maida, you're like so annoying. Uh, you mentioned that you were kind of wishing that Sato would show more of that, like, mocking yeah. uh, towards people, or towards Maida. Yeah, she, yeah, she kind of does. We get, like you mentioned, where she calls Maida annoying and... And then at one point she gets up in Midas' face and is like, oh, is that all you got? And that kind of thing. And to me, that's very Sato because it's that whole mocking thing. To me, mocking is a part of being like the sadistic side of her, which I wish we saw more, but we didn't. But I did definitely wish that she did it more because it feels very Sato to me. Well, I think you mentioned before in the previous recording that it was like, Mm-hmm. You didn't feel that Sato had a distinct style of fighting like the other queens that had, and it's just I was gonna, I was gonna like mention it a little bit more towards the end, but I can mention it now. It's fine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> cause I, I don't know. I just thought it'd be really cool for you know because all of the other queens, maybe not Shibuya, but definitely Black and Gekikara had their own style of fighting. It would have made sense that Sato also would have had one, especially since when she, when we get that flashback of Sato and Yuko when they first meet and they're fighting each other, when that fight's over, Yuko straight up says, hey, I've never seen anyone fight like you before. So I wish we would have seen her have such a distinct fighting style that, you know, Maida has to kind of learn how to handle with it. Like we probably would have gotten if Maida fought Black, but we know she ended up not doing that. So I, I don't know, I would have liked to have seen that. To have her have a unique fighting style that fits like that whole sadistic side I of could her. see it like you being know. like, oh, like stomping on her fingers with her high heels or like pulling, like, you know, or like pulling her fingers back to where it cracks or, you know, like mm-hmm. very like things that would maybe like be similar to torture in some way. Yeah. I could see that being a, her kind of style. I'd even, okay, I would actually argue that Shibuya also has a style. It's like underground boxing style. We don't see it because Maida won one hit KO. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're all right. But anyway, like, Maida is losing. Sato knocks her down at one point. And she actually starts to get, like, these flashes of memory from her friends. You know, her. we actually get one, one shot of her dad as well. And obviously, Minami. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the push that she needs to sort of get up again. 
Because Sato walks away thinking, oh, you know, yeah, fight's over. She thinks it's over. Mm-hmm. Maida's actually crying when she gets up. It's, yeah. it's such like a visceral emotion on her face. And she actually, I think she screams, right? She does, yeah. yeah. And Sato notes that she's finally gotten serious, to which Maida says, like, I'm always serious, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then she does something really great and she starts using her friend's moves, mm-hmm. which we mentioned. She and actually is an Uchiha. She is an Uchiha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the whole time. I was, I didn't mention it in the original recording, but I thought it's actually in my notes, but I thought about it like, I imagine Sato's at least maybe seen some of these people fight or has fought them mm-hmm. before. She's at least seen Chokoku fight and Gakuran because there's the one point at the end of episode three where they fight the Yabukune people together. Oh yeah. So she's probably familiar. I think the only one she probably wouldn't have seen would have been Dharma's because Dharma's new, just like Maida. So it's like, oh, she probably realizes what's happening. Well, yeah, she actually does get a kind of knowing smile like on her face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's actually really cool to see Maida having learned from the people that she's fought. I don't know. I, I kind of like that. I'll never get that again. No. Uh, <laughs> and I think we mentioned this before about the power of friendship moment mm-hmm. and that Maida gets that moment herself because she yeah. even headbutts Sato. She even uses Dharma's favorite, favorite famous move and favorite move. Mm-hmm. I know we were like, oh, uh, usually like the power of friendship moments sort of like make the story feel cheap in some way but in this moment it doesn't yeah for me um i mean i also just don't really watch a lot of anime but in the ones that i have seen or the manga i've read that have this kind of thing like you mentioned it feels kind of cheap for them to be like like they get this kind of power from like thinking of their friends and that kind of thing. But with Maida, to me, I find it really interesting because it's like essentially the conclusion of that kind of story arc where of her, you know, originally pushing people away and now she and then going to accepting them. And now she's, like you said, learned from them. And they're the reasons why she uh, continues to fight, mm-hmm. you know, they're the reason why Maida, she wins, I fight for my friends. You know, like- <laughs> Exactly. It's it's such a great conclusion to her arc because, like you mentioned, that has been where the story has been trying to take her Mm -hmm. along the way to be able to come to accept that she that it's okay to have friends again, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. that there are people that she can rely on and learn from. Yeah, I I think we we talked more at length about it before, but now I don't remember what we said. But that's essentially (laughs) kind of the gist of it is that this is sort of showing us, the audience, her growth as a character. Mm-hmm. I want to mention Nezumi because she is here downstairs with everybody else. And she, I think I talked about this as well before, where it was just like, she's getting, like, like the supposed army that she was supposed to have with her waiting is not here. Mm-hmm. It's just her. So... I'm just like, okay. I mean, I, I kind of understand why they wouldn't. Because I don't know if Nezumi would have, like, immediately had them jump on whoever won, essentially. Especially since there are so many people right there. I could understand the reasoning why she wouldn't have brought I just with her. I think it's weird because I she mentioned like that people. she would have taken the person down, like, whoever was left standing. And so I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I just don't understand why necessarily she was here for. They just didn't want to hire more actors. I guess. Although they could have just used extras. Like they had a bunch of extras. We had a couple of people 
earlier who were just there to talk about the fight between Sato and Maida that was going to happen. Just yeah. have them be a part of it. Just have them go in. We'll see a bunch yeah, of extras it's... in the next episode, too. It's like, come on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, like... It's just weird to have her there and then she's like super impatient and actually everyone mm-hmm. else also comments about how this fight is taking a very long time. I just thought it was, I don't know, I, I like Nezumi, but I didn't think they needed to put her in this scene for any reason. No, and even later, like, because she, she does get like one more line before this episode ends. Mm-hmm. And I'll mention it when we get there, but it's just like... Why were you here then? You didn't need to be here. Yeah, but back to the fight. So Maida and Sato, I think this fight, how long do you think this fight took? Like, Oh my God. Um, Let's see. If we're talking about in episode time, I could get that for you. No, I I mean more like in canon time. Okay, in canon time? God, who knows? It's hard to tell because there isn't even like a change in the time of day. Because you can kind of see it, like, when they go in. Mm-hmm. Like, when Maida goes in and when Maida comes out. But there's no, like, change in time. So it's kind of hard to say. But I would say at least longer than 30 minutes. Probably, yeah. But yeah, so both Sato and Maida are exhausted. Like, their uniforms are, like, a mess. They're bleeding mm-hmm. everywhere. Their punches are super sloppy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They actually fall down. Well, they fall down a couple times, mm-hmm. but they both fall down at the same time at one point, and then they get up and go to do a super punch on each other. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I know we definitely mentioned this on the previous recording, but it's like when they go to th- throw, like, this is the last punch, their hair is, like, blowing in the wind, and I know it's probably like, yeah. this is just how strong this punch is supposed to be, but I'm like, there's no breeze in this room. Yeah. They're already sweaty and their hair is already sticking to their faces. Keep it at that. Because <laughs> this isn't realistic. Although this show is anything but realistic. So I guess I shouldn't use that as like my complaint. But yeah, but me like, looking at this it. wind effect now, I'm just like, oh, this is <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little uh, ridiculous. Oh, that's that. That's the whole show. Uh, but yeah, so they both take another tumble down. Well, Maida does. She lands on her knees. Mm-hmm. Sato barely st- stays upright. And she is envisioning all the queen's defeats and her conversation with Yuko at the hospital. And she says Yuko's name before she ends up falling on the ground. Mm-hmm. Defeated. And Maida is able is the one that's able to get back up. <laughs> Although kind of, because kind, she kind of. of like when she stands up, she stumbles to the side a little bit like she's going to tip over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd like to mention here before we keep going, I, I'm going to say I was watching it earlier. After Maida hits Sato with Dodruma's headbutt to, I think when they land that last hit, they're actually playing Sakura no Shiori instead of like a really intense fight thing. And... I really mentioned this last time, and I remembered, I ha- I said something great, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I Well, I mean, I think it's a nice touch, because it's like, this is, you know, Sakura no Shiori is their graduation song in this setting. And so, I don't know, I think it's neat that they're playing that, because it's like, this is when the tide turns yeah. towards Midas' favor. And so it is kind of like, well, now 
while it is a sad song, it also is passing the torch a little bit onto Maida by using that song. And we do get a little bit of a break, like when they actually land the last hit, uh, up until I think when Sato falls onto the floor, because it starts playing it again. We don't immediately get a fanfare. Mm -hmm. Like you think we would, considering our main protagonist has won potentially the biggest fight of the season. Yeah. In other shows, they would have probably immediately started playing a fanfare. But we don't get that. We actually get Sakura no Shiori again. And we're given this moment with Sato, like I meant, like you mentioned, she's thinking about the queens. She's thinking about Yuko before she collapses. And I really, really like that this show gave Sato the space to essentially grieve her loss. You know, because this is such an important fight to her. Mm-hmm. Because not only is she, you know, part of, in charge of Rapapa, this was something that she and her best friend Yuko, who meant so much to her, built up together. And then it's, this is the end of it falling apart for her. And it, and her protecting Rapapa was essentially like the last wish that Yuko had for her. Although I know I mentioned Yuko probably knew Sato wasn't going to win, but that's besides that. Sato didn't know that. And so with Yuko dying, it will be the last like thing that Yuko would have wanted from Sato and Sato couldn't do it. Sato couldn't protect Majijo and couldn't not, well, yeah, technically Majijo, but couldn't protect Rapapa and couldn't beat Maida. So I'm really glad that it gave us this space to have Sato lay there and cry and mourn about it. Because after this, who knows how long Yuko has left to live. Yeah, no, I think it's so, great that she, she mm-hmm. does get this. Because I don't think any other opponent that she faced ever got this much mm-hmm. for themselves. In, and granted, it's like everybody else was sort of a minor character in comparison to mm-hmm. Sato. But Maida, Maida was about to go reach for her glasses, but instead as she approaches Sato and holds her hand out, and in the same way that Yuko had when they met in that temple, and she actually flashes back towards that moment. And it's, I like that that's a callback to that. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, like for Sato, this was, this was a big moment. It's sad, but also this is also a start for something new. Sakura, like you said, Sakura no Shiori is a graduation song, but I think it's also a song of like, it reminds me like of spring of like, you know, new beginnings and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And I, I think that's kind of meant, like you said, to pass the torch on to the next generation. And Sato actually lets out like a really heartbreaking sob that the people downstairs can even hear god i I, before we keep going i want to mention i i still have no clue if i said this before but there's a scene that i think is from one of like the bonus dvds in the dvd collection where it's an interview with mariko who plays sato and she was asked like how hard was it you know to record these scenes where sato's crying and she admit she's like well it wasn't that hard because all i had to do you know was picture the actual yuko dying like that and the tears just came in and so all of the tears the sada cries are genuine and it makes everything hurt that much more yeah so they actually 
Maida and Sato are like stumbling out. And I think you're the one that pointed this out, that Sato changed shoes. <laughs> yes, because in the fight, and I do like that attention to detail, they do also kind of, they do that with Black as well in her episode where she, they switch into boots instead of continuing to wear their high heels during the fight. But with Sato, though, with the way they shot them coming back into the club room together, we see their feet first, and you could, and Sato's wearing her high heels. So I, and I know it's just like, they probably recorded this at a different time. Yeah. A different day. But I just can't help but think, like, in universe, that Sato, before she walked out to her queens, was like, I need to put my high heels on first. Hold on. <laughs> no, she's like, Mida, put my high heels on. Change my shoes. <laughs> God. So, yeah, so they both walk out and the queens approach. And once the queens get to them, Maida just mm-hmm. drops Sato like a sack of potatoes. Well, I mean, I don't think, like, Maida has any sort of energy really left in no, her. No, no. So I, I just thought it was funny. Why, but it's funny. And I have to point out, I pointed this out last time, and you were like, God, why did you notice this? <laughs> Is that um, when Black goes to, like, hold on to Sato after she gets dropped to the floor, for whatever reason, I know it's probably just a mistake on Yukirin's behalf, but I, could, but I think it's hilarious, is that she moves her hand too far down, and that's not her lower back, Black. That's her ass. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Ruining this. You're ruining this moment. I had to mention, I mentioned it last time, so I don't have to do it. I'm sorry. This is why we lost the audio. <laughs> <sighs> this is oh, the reason. It again. <laughs> uh, the queens stare. I mean, I think Geki is the only one that doesn't actually like, mm-hmm. like sit next to Sato as like she's on the ground. She's the only one left standing. But all the queens mm-hmm. are giving like Maida like this dirty look. <laughs> oh, they're all pissed. They're all, they're so, all so mad. mad. Even Torigoya is like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, but. Maida comes stumbling down the stairs and everyone is like waiting downstairs with like anticipation mm-hmm. they're all holding their breath also on the side we'll mention we're getting quick flashes to the hospital and like nurses and doctors running with this bed and we all know who it is yeah we know <laughs> we know <laughs> but i thought i'd make a note of it because it is happening mm-hmm. while this is while this is going on as uh, Maida comes down the stairs, she says that it's over, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, this is where the fanfare actually begins. Yeah, they actually start playing Majisuka uh, rock and roll, which is yep. great. I like that. That's fun. Um, but the Rapapod freshmen actually run up the stairs, and you can hear them calling out for Sato as they're running past Maida. And Daruma actually runs up after them to go grab Atsuko. Yeah. It's just so cute how happy Daruma is. <laughs> like she actually, I think she kind of lifts Maida's arm like in like, yay, mm-hmm. you did it. <laughs> yeah. Her friends, Gakuran and the Kabuki sisters, they smile knowing that she won. And then they both walk away to different ends of the halls. Mm-hmm. Team Hormone, I think we mentioned obviously. this last time. Too. Oh, what? Like, I don't understand why Gakuran just kind of like leaves. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't understand why Gakuron's any of them like, left, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I could kind of understand, like, Chokoku, because, like we mentioned before, she's trying to... But not, she like, stays longer than the others. She does? Oh yeah. 
So it doesn't uh, even matter. I mean, she does leave eventually, but she stays a little mm-hmm. longer than they do. So I'm just like, what the? That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, but like Gakuron in particular to me, because it's like Gakuron's like, no, I'm Atsuko's boyfriend, and I'm like, then when did you have stayed? Yeah, I don't know. How did know. you leave? Yeah, uh, Arena's still there and Nezumi's still there, and we can mm-hmm. talk about a little bit more about Nezumi here. Cool. Yeah. So at the at the beginning when Nezumi shows up, she mentions, hey, it doesn't matter whoever is going to win because then she's gonna bring her. Nezumi army and just take care of whoever's left. But when o- when Maida comes down the stairs and Maida says something like, oh, Sada-san is very serious. And it's like, oh yeah, Maida won. Nezumi goes, oh man, Sado, and then walks away. And, we're, and I'm like, why are you upset? It doesn't matter to you. You said in the beginning of the episode, it doesn't matter who wins. I don't understand her. Yeah, I don't. Oh. I, again, I don't think she was needed in this scene. I don't think no. she had any point to be there. We could have had her reaction to the fight the next episode. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that whatever her schemes were were important enough to be relevant here. No, I mean we could have gotten maybe that scene at the beginning where she's doing the supervillain thing where she's laying out. Yeah, that was hands. fine. I just we meant her presence. We could have kept that, but Her presence part, in the fight. Need to yeah. yeah, it was really unnecessary. I, they just needed to shoehorn Mayu in there somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotta got get those uh, Mayu fans to watch the show. Yeah. Uh, Arena's still there, uh, and they, her and Maida share this, like, moment, and they don't say anything. Maida just does that like hand on the shoulder thing that Minami would do to her sister and just walks away. Uh, Irena actually sheds a tear, probably in, in memory of her sister. Uh, but Hormone and Dharma, you know, take Maida off to celebrate, probably. And, and then we get then, yeah. The whole scene interrupted by we see Yuko on the the hospital bed that was being like pushed around by the people who were running down the hallway in those like quick flashes we saw before and she has like a breathalyzer on her and then the episode ends and that's it and i know you strong opinion about that (laughs) yeah you you said you didn't like that because it ruined i didn't it does and it ruins the mood of the episode you know because it's like we i don't mean all of the scenes of yuko being pushed to the um essentially probably the emergency care unit of the hospital. I don't mean all of those. I mean specifically this last one where we see Yuko with the breathalyzer on. We don't need that because we already know that it is Yuko just from the flashes that we saw before because no one else is in the hospital. (laughs) No one else in the hospital that we care about. Yeah, that we care about. So to me, having this last moment show up when I feel it's already unnecessary, kind of already also destroys the tone of the episode. We got that final fanfare. And I, to me, I feel like that's what the episode should have ended on because this fight, even though we were talking about Maida really doesn't have a reason to go, but this fight is a very important fight. It's essentially the climax of the story. Yep. And so to have this fanfare being kind of undermined minded by having this at the very end 
changes the tone completely. And I feel like just yeah, not letting Wine have that to the end the mood. ruins it. Yeah, it, you it know? ruined the mood a lot to have that. Because you, like you said, we do know it's Yuko. And it they should have given this to Maida. Which is funny because we just mm -hmm. complimented the show for giving space for Sato to <laughs> Yeah, creep. they gave and Sato then, the space. <laughs> then they turn around and do this and it's just like, well, uh -huh. what the fuck? You know, like, I mean, other people might disagree and be like, no, I like mm -hmm. you know, that because it, it gives it like a cliffhanger or something to look forward to. But it's like, mm -hmm. I don't feel like that's needed when we already know that that's what, what's happening in the background. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. It, it wasn't really necessary. And Maida should have gotten that space to celebrate this victory with her friends. But that's how the episode ends. And yeah, we only have one more episode. That's crazy. Yeah. Hopefully this one will go a lot better than this one did. Oh God, this episode was <laughs> cursed. Oh yeah. Too cursed. Too, too, too cursed. What was I going to say? Oh, okay. Uh, thoughts on the episode as a whole and then thoughts on the fight. Do you want to go first or do you uh, want to go first? I can go first. So, okay. I mean, a lot of this episode was just a build up to the fight because the fight took such mm -hmm. a big portion of it. Not that that's a bad thing. I love the moments between Maida and her dad and it, the fight itself I thought was okay. Like it served the purpose. It wasn't like, it didn't like blow me away, but it, it was mm -hmm. like emotional because it was it was in this emotional journey for these two characters mm -hmm. uh sort of coming to an end and it it was really nice you know like we talked about that they gave sato this moment that we got to see maida maida's growth as a character so I, I love seeing those elements come together kind of to close all those loose ends so it was it was a good episode i think it was a good because this, this is kind of essentially like somewhat of the climax of the season. Mm -hmm. And I, you would, I could say that the next episode is more of like an epilogue. Yeah, I can agree. So it's so I actually just, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was because it, it's bringing all these elements, most of these elements, I should say, actually, mm -hmm. uh, to a close and giving Maida the closure that she so desperately needed and fought for this whole season yeah so for yep. me it was it was good it was good obviously i have some minor complaints mm -hmm. but overall i really liked it yeah i agree um i think the episode as a whole is good and it does its purpose as a climax really well but i do have my complaint my biggest complaint being sato <laughs> and her fighting style like i mentioned i know in the original recording i talked about it here mostly but i'll just briefly touch on it again uh, she should have had her own, like, fighting style. Like you mentioned, where she kind of does things that are a little torturous to people. Like, probably what she almost... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, what she almost did to one of the freshmen where in the episode where uh, they bring the Taiyaki for Yuko and she knocks him over. I think that's Black's episode. Um, yeah, she like I said, like, steps on one of them. Fingers, yeah. Yeah. So that would have been, it would have been perfect. And I would have loved to have seen her have, you know, her own unique sadistic fighting style that we were kind of told she had and then she just didn't have. And that's Let's my biggest real, complaint. You just, you just secretly in M and wanted Sato. Stop it. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> 
I'll talk about my other talking point about the fight, which is what we mentioned about the power of friendship with Maida. And just go over it briefly, because I know last time I did a whole spiel here. But yeah, I don't like it normally. Here it works really great because this whole, her whole arc is opening up, moving past her trauma and getting friends and moving on, essentially. And so her having this, the power of friendship essentially let her win the fight feels good. Like it feels earned because it's a part of her story arc. So I appreciate it. This is the only time I'll appreciate it. It's, you say it's that good. now. I mean, yeah, things might change later. I might watch things and go, oh, that actually worked well here too. But I don't watch a lot of shows. So I'm going to tell you now that it most likely won't change. Okay, so now... What is your rating for the episode? Because you kind of skipped over it. A uh, 10 gallon of tears. <laughs> that I'll use to just bathe myself in. <laughs> in between the tears of anger and the tears of sadness from some moments of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm just going to keep mine that I had before. Which is like 20 uniform decals out of a discarded fur <laughs> yeah. coat. Oh my god. A discarded fur coat that's like powerful enough to just break it. Yeah, somehow. (laughs) I'm never gonna get over that. (laughs) Okay, so Um, one last thing. Yes. Uh, We have 17 Majis in this whole episode. That's not including Majisuka, the name of the school. Which makes sense because, like, we did get all those flashbacks Mm -hmm. for Maida during her The Power of Friendship Fools Me moment um especially with fucking chokoku who says three of them in that one sentence her parting gift her parting gift yes (laughs) but yeah 17 which is and i went back and looked at my notes no i'm not crazy enough to go back and watch all the episodes and recount i looked back at my notes and from my notes this episode has the most amount of majis than any of the other episodes which is kind of fitting because it is yeah it makes the climax Awesome. Well, where can we find you, Elle? You can find me at almightyuna.tumblr.com and almightyuna at twitter.com. And I posted art (laughs) fucking finally. I was supposed to post it like right after the Geki episode. And I honestly got have no idea when that episode came out, but it's been months. But now it's out. So please go look at it. I retweeted it on the podcast Twitter which is uh, Majidayo, the podcast at twitter.com. So if you don't want to go to my Twitter to see it, you could at least go to that one instead. <laughs> what about you? Where can we find you? You can find me at suspiciouswarrihonmayon.tumblr.com or majidayo.twitter.com. I still keep forgetting to post that one track I made. So <laughs> we we even, apologies. you said this at the end of the last recording for this episode and you still <laughs> done it. Dude, for real? <laughs> <laughs> you did. Oh, oh my God. That's hella funny. Okay. I'm dead. Well, <laughs> that's all the time we have for today. <laughs> Feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Majidayo, the podcast, Twitter, uh, the podcast on Twitter.com. And or if you want to send us some questions, concerns, comments at our Gmail account, it's Majidayo, the podcast at Gmail.com. And uh, yeah, that's it for today. Hope you guys have a Maji day. Thank you. (laughs) 